We are back. Hello, everybody. This is Eric Lyons, and welcome to Metallicus Live. We have conversations with some of the brilliant minds all around the crypto industry and also beyond. But today, everybody, you're in for a treat. Um, I have the absolute pleasure to introduce you all to the VP of Strategy at Masari, Eric Turner. Thank you so much, Eric, for hopping on today and taking time out of your day. How are you? Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks again. Thanks again for the invite. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to get the ball rolling, we like to introduce you to all of our friends here um, within the community of Metallicus, that being MetalPay, Proton, Metal Blockchain, etc. And to help get them uh, acquainted with you, I would love to get to know more about you and your career background, if that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um where to start, where to start. So I guess we'll go back, uh, you know, kind of to, to some of my early career and, you know, how I got into crypto. So um, I spent most of my career and, you know, out of school uh, in traditional finance. So spent some time on the investing side, uh, spent some time on the research side. Uh, and really, you know, that's about six or seven years um, I was working in TradFi. And I actually heard about uh, Bitcoin and was introduced to it, you know, back when I was working in the investment side. And it was one of those things where, you know, my younger brother told me about it. Um, he was building PCs back at the time. So, you know, people were telling him, hey, pay me in Bitcoin. Uh, he told me about it. And, you know, working in finance, I told him it was a terrible idea. And I said, don't worry, we got this figured out. The dollar's great. Uh, you know, what we're doing in traditional finance, this is all great. We don't need this Bitcoin thing. Um, Really, actually, you know, uh, when I joined S&P Global as a fintech research analyst back in 2016, uh, gave me a chance to kind of revisit, you know, some of the, the innovations that had happened since uh, being introduced to Bitcoin back in 2013. And what really clicked for me was reading the um, early progress, you know, the Ethereum white paper and some of the things that were being built back in uh, early 2016 in the Ethereum ecosystem. You know, this was before we had really anything with like ICOs and token sales. And it was, you know, pretty much just the start of the network back then. Um, but I was a FinTech research analyst and, and some of the work that I got to do in my day job, you know, started to converge with the crypto world. Um, I think back then, obviously it was a lot of, you know, just what's happening in blockchain and enterprise blockchain. And uh, I'm sure I could name a lot of, you know, projects that are no longer around in that space, but uh, gave me the opportunity to, you know, in addition to covering the other things in the fintech space, like digital lending and peer-to-peer -peer payments, um, start getting deeper into crypto, uh, you know, with my day job and uh, really became something I was obsessed with. So, you know, going back to uh, how I actually ended up at Masari, that was uh, back in 20, uh, end of 2017, you know, I'd been uh, researching fintech, uh, spending more time in crypto, spending all of my hours outside of work. Uh, digging into crypto and investing and, you know, really looking to do anything I could, um, you know, try to teach myself solidity and got the opportunity to uh, join the Masari team uh, as a first employee, join the founding team. And uh, yeah, you know, it's been a journey ever since then. Been doing this full time for almost five years now and uh, couldn't think of uh, anything I'd rather be doing. That's a lot of time in the crypto industry. Um, I, I don't know if you heard this saying, but... Um, Around our community, we like to say that um, basically a year in crypto is equivalent to like 10 years in anything else. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so happy 50th year in cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so you you said that um your brother um first introduced you into crypto or started um putting bringing up the name of Bitcoin in your ear. Uh, was that around 2016, 2017 as well? Or was that another time frame? No, that was 2013. So that was, you know, him bringing it up to me back then. Um, he was much earlier than me. And, you know, I, I definitely dismissed it. You know, I will be the first to admit that it took me three years to really come around on why we needed anything like that. And it started with Ethereum and Bitcoin clicked with me, which I think was kind of the reverse for a lot of people. Um, and then, you know, it's been ever since then, um, seeing all of the things we can do with this technology, you know, the way it democratizes, you know, not just finance, but really the participation in building out so much interesting technology, um, which, which keeps it exciting day to day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even just hearing about Bitcoin in 2013 and then going into Masari in like 2017, would you have even expected um, the way blockchain technology is evolving to this day? Would you have ever seen that coming? You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Like you almost don't realize it until you take a second, take a step back and, and really reflect on it. The fact that I was thinking about this the other day, you know, you, you walk by, a window and you see CNBC or you see Bloomberg on a TV and the main ticker is, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and it's crypto prices on the bottom of it. I mean, you look at reporting you see in the media and it's not just, you know, the coin desks of the world talking about this, but, you know, it's really seeped its way into the general consciousness. Um, so I think it's, you know, on that side of it where it's become an important topic for people, but, you know, on, on your point about the technology, I think, the evolution has been really fascinating because it almost moves in fits and starts. So you, you, you kind of see these things where early on, you know, I could have told you that um, some of the things we see like DeFi today, you know, back in 2018, uh, you saw things like MakerDAO and you say, oh, DeFi is going to be something interesting. doesn't take off the way you think it is. You know, the next year, now DeFi is dead. It's never going to happen. And then all of a sudden that catalyst comes and things really start taking off. So I think the one thing that you notice, especially as a researcher, which is you know where I spent a lot of my time is um, tracking the cycles in crypto and, and really staying on top of what's going to be relevant uh, is a full-time job. And it's become even more of a full-time job just to even keep track of single sectors. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised about not only how expansive the actual ecosystem has become, but just how it's actually reached, you know, not necessarily general adoption, but, you know, a lot of people are familiar with blockchain and crypto now. I solemnly agree. In years such as like 2018, 2017, and even these last two years have been adding to a lot more conversations. So, um, so I've seen that you gave a testimony in front of the U.S. Senate community committee of banking, housing, and urban affairs around that same time frame. And um, can you walk us through um, some of the things in your testimony that you have discussed? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're taking me back to uh, my suit and tie days back at S&P. But yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those things. So, uh, you know, I had actually been writing some research again, just about fintech and um, had a you know staffer reach out from the Senate Banking uh, Chairman's office, um, really you know asking if I'd be interested in 
uh, attending and, and, you know, being an expert witness at a hearing, which was meant to introduce uh, all of the senators to some con- concepts within financial technology. Um, so really, you know, what they were looking to cover is help me understand what's happening in digital payments, in digital lending, uh, you know, robo-advisory, like automation of, you know, financial management. And then, of course, obviously, um, the big one, and, and this was back in September 2017. So, you know, crypto markets were still incredibly hot. We saw a lot of, you know, token sales coming out. We saw a lot of, you know, that first wave of interest um, outside of just kind of, you know, the 2013 Bitcoin-led uh, bull run. And um, we definitely, you know, one of the things they they specifically wanted to discuss was blockchain and, and crypto. So, um, you know, in terms of what they were actually asking and, you know, what was actually discussed, uh, funny enough, and it always seems to be the topic when you're speaking to, you know, somebody who's not in the industry full time. Uh, I think one of the first questions that was asked is, is this a bubble? Um, and, you know, it's funny now looking back, like that was when, you know, Bitcoin is at, you know, less than 20K, um, probably around 16 then. And, uh, you know, out after you got that one out of the way, I actually do think that there were a lot of really good questions. Um, I do think that, you know, I think the uh, politicians, regulators and, you know, really the policymakers, they, they get a lot of a bad rap sometimes. Uh, I think some of them certainly deserve it. But I do think a lot of them are genuinely curious in this space. I think it's just one of those things where there's so much going on and so much for them to deal with. It's very easy to get bad information. And I think, you know, they have great support staff trying to educate them. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll throw my little call to action out here. I think us as a, an industry, we, we need to make sure we're doing a better job of, you know, writing our policymakers or, you know, whoever it is and, and really helping to push that education forward. Um, so they did, you know, they had some good questions and it's, it's they are questions that are still relevant today. Um, you know, how does how does crypto help with the underbanks? Um, how do these payments help with international transactions and um, you know, people that might have uh, family living overseas, how does it lower costs? Uh, really good questions, I think, that are fundamental to what we're looking to build. So, yeah, you're always going to get the is this a bubble type person in a setting like that. But I do think there were, um, you know, actually some really thoughtful uh, questions then and certainly some thoughtful questions now from a lot of those policymakers. I, I totally agree, especially because a lot of folks um, are trying to understand this still new concept um especially you've been in the crypto industry for about five six years and so you've seen a lot more than a lot of um more early adopting users or no i'm sorry i meant to say like late adopting users um and that still have a lot of these questions or curiosities when it comes to tokenomics and technology and um, I would also just take it a step further and say um, we help build that trust. We we being um, just regular folks within the community like myself and everybody that's listening in on the spaces, um, just being able to write in to a lot of these representatives or um, just taking the time to spread the good word and the truth and um, bringing clarity and literacy amongst yeah. this what is a foreign concept to some but not necessarily to all of us yeah yeah i mean you're so right about that you know you see people complaining all the time on twitter you know like it's like 
oh, you know, this regulation's coming or, you know, so-and-so, whoever it is, is, is coming to get us and this isn't fair. And then you see people, they don't take action. You know, they, they do a lot of complaining and they're worried about the future of this industry and they're worried about, you know, what laws or regulations or, you know, enforcement actions are going to impact them. Um, but it's so easy, you know, and especially like I'm based in the U.S., you know, voting, writing to representatives. There are things you can do. And it is, I think, as you've seen and, and you're very, you know, very spot on about that. It's it's just us as regular individuals that get that done. So when it comes to um, a lot of understanding crypto, um, usually a lot of folks within the community, and I'm not saying just the Proton and Metal Pay community, I'm just saying as crypto as a whole, it's always do your own research. And that, that can be all fine and all, but I want to ask you, what is the biggest opportunity facing um, crypto research today? Yeah, and I, you know, I think um, this is, I'll, I'll do a little background on, on Masari as well here. Um, Please, yeah. Sure that, yeah, everybody's kind of familiar with what we do because I, I think it fits directly into, you know, that question. So we started Masari back uh, very beginning, January 2018, uh, I think is when we launched everything, really with the mission to bring more transparency to this industry. Uh, that really remains our mission today, you know, looking to build out data, tooling, and research to help people better understand the space, to provide that level of transparency and that information that they can do their own research, that they can easily understand what's happening within the industry. It becomes so much more important as things continue to grow, as there are more out there, more concepts out there, um, more you know networks being built. So we started with that idea of transparency. Uh, we started building out you know, this early registry of information. So basic background details on projects. And over time, have really grown that into what we think of as a full market intelligence product. So we really want people to go in from day one, be able to understand the protocols that they're looking to use or uh, build on, you know, really help them understand the core characteristics and fundamentals of those through qualitative and quantitative data, be able to monitor those on an ongoing basis. So we have an intelligence tool where you can keep up to date with software releases or um, any sort of you know things happening directly on these networks. Uh, we also have, you know, we track governance. So I think governance is becoming hugely important in this industry, being able to actually vote on changes and, you know, um, any any sort of changes to the, uh, the protocols and the parameters. Um, and then, of course, we provide a lot of research as well, in addition to our data and tooling. So, you know, when you think about people being able to do their own research, you think about the importance of that research. It's something where I hope and I think that we at Masari have built a product that is very useful for people on that end. But it's also, at the same, you know, something at the same time where we see these issues on a daily basis where there's just so much out there and it's still relatively early, uh, despite, you know, this, this industry being around for over a decade now at this point. Um, we still need a lot of work on the standardization of data, uh, the standardization of the way that metrics are reported to people. And uh, it's something where, you know, even if you want people to be empowered to do their own research and, and be able to understand things, there's just so much going on. And uh, I think as an industry, we, you know, continue to get better, but need to continue to get better just on that standardization. So, you know, it's hard enough for us if we spend all of our time in the industry to understand it. If you think about adoption outside and, and what it looks like for, you know, the next 
100 million billion users coming into the space, um, we're going to need, you know, better information quality. And I think that's something we, we strive for on a daily basis. Do you see like social media, like for example, Twitter uh, playing a role in crypto research, whether it be more positive, neutral or negative? I mean, for better or worse, I think Twitter is one of the core sources of information in this industry right now, right? I think it's, um, yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's funny because it's, uh, it, it just seems like it wouldn't be the natural place to some degree. And I think, you know, if you look at like the way that traditional companies report information, it's, it's very structured and they have press releases and they have quarterly filings that they're public uh, and they have whole teams dedicated to getting this information out to people. Uh, whereas in crypto, you know, there's so much good information on Twitter. It's so unstructured and you really never know who it's going to come from. You know, maybe it does come from a, a project founder or maybe it comes from, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, like a popular investor or VC. But at the same time, I think you get so much more information from just, you know, a non-accounts or somebody that's running a validator on a network that finds out something interesting or finds a bug in the code. So it's, it's really uh, an incredibly difficult aggregation uh, problem. And it's really hard to stay up to date with all of that, you know, everything that's happening that's going on. Um, one of the tools that we built pretty early on at the company is this intelligence tool where, you know, we, we actually go out and we source information from Twitter, from Discord, from GitHub, from structured and unstructured sources. You know, we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be having conversations with validator teams. We'll be really trying to figure out uh, what's happening on all of these networks. And uh, we, we kind of put that into a structured format. We have a synthesis, you know, where analysts are actually synthesizing a lot of this and tagging it for people. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that was, that was something where we're trying to help solve that problem. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, Twitter, I think is always going to be an important part of the industry. And I think unless, you know, Elon blows this whole platform up, uh, it's, it's going to be that way for a while. For sure. Um, I, I, I'm guessing it's, a, I don't know if it's a little too early to tell, but especially with the, the new Twitter format and this this whole system of trying to get rid of um, a lot of the noise, specifically from like bots, have you seen any differences within that validator system, if at all? Uh, no, but <laughs> I think for us, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I mean, for, for us, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of business as usual, try to source through this information and, you know, figure out what, what actually matters and surface that signal. So, um, you know, the good news for me is, you know, I get to use our internal tooling and I get to spend less time on Twitter because I think uh, sometimes I spend a little bit too much time there. Don't people get all the fun in the world, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so you brought up, you actually just brought up the... Um, being able to bring out um, quarterly reports on a lot of these tokens. Um, I see that a lot of the tweets on the um, main Masari Twitter um, for like the last month or two has been those reports. Um, how do they get prioritized or prepared? Is there like yeah. a process with that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's important to delineate there are kind of two sides to our business. So you have the core Masari market intelligence platform, and then you have this other side, uh, which is our protocol services division. And our market intelligence platform is what you'd expect, I think, if you go to the Masari website and you see all of the data and the screening tools and all of the other things focused on 
you know, really anybody that's coming in the space to conduct research or to build, um, you know, we get users from like TradFi and large tech as well. Whereas the other side is this, uh, our protocol services division. And we actually go out and we work with a lot of the networks and the DAOs and the protocols themselves. Um, really to, you know, again, this goes back to something I mentioned earlier, an issue we were running into a couple of years ago was there was not good standardized information on protocols. And we wanted to understand why. And the reason why was these, for the you know most part, are decentralized networks or should be decentralized networks. And this became increasingly clear as you started to have DAO structures in governance and you started to have, you know, a lot more uh, participants in the process of managing a protocol on a day-to-day basis. So when you look at a traditional company um, and you look at, you know, something like the Edgar Edgar system uh, where they can file quarterly reports, uh, you don't have that in crypto. You don't have a CFO generally. You don't have some central party that's putting out, you know, here are our KPIs for the quarter and here's what you need to know. Um, so it was difficult for us to actually build the tools that we wanted to because we didn't have that data. Uh, so our protocol services team was really spun up to help uh, different networks and protocols solve this issue themselves. So we actually have uh, you know a, a data science team and research analysts and people that are putting these together on behalf of the protocols. Um, so these are things where you know we'll go out to a DAO, for example, and. Uh, we'll get a grant to put these together and uh, we're, we'll build out a, a real reporting regime for various protocols. You know, we'll help them uh, pick out the KPIs that matter. Uh, we'll put together the reports and you know, track everything that's happened in the past quarter. And then these are all free for the communities. So they're you know, kind of the opposite side of the market intelligence platform. I mean, the, the reports obviously li- you know, live in there and you can view them there. Uh, but it's a much larger distribution network where communities and DAOs and really anybody interested in these protocols can access these reports, uh, access the data behind them. And, uh, you know, again, it, it hopefully solves a lot of that transparency and standardization problem that, that Masari has been really focused on. So would you, what would you say is with um, other entities such as other uh, crypto research firms, um, critics, public officials, whatever, um, is there anything that they get wrong when it comes to the crypto research? I think, you know, it's, it's, and this goes back to what I was saying. Um, something else I said, it's, it's just difficult to keep up with everything that's happening in this industry. I think there are a lot of good crypto research firms. I mean, I, I could name a few offhand. Um, I think, you know, we have a lot of good peers that are producing high quality research in the space. But I'll, I'll be honest, like, I don't think we're anywhere near the level of, um, you know, high quality, complete research and data availability, availability that, to your point, is going to satisfy, you know, critics out there or give them the ability to understand and feel comfortable enough with the research that, you know, maybe they'll, they'll actually um, see how they can approach crypto. You know, the, the, the people that have been, I think, vocal critics, and it's easy to do that when it's hard to back up a lot of the promising things we have as an industry um, just because of the lack of like that research and data ecosystem that you see in, in most traditional business lines. Now that makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense. So I got to ask, 
Has any of your, you or your team's research let you discover anything within the Metallicus ecosystem? I'll have to look through the, the Masari database, but, you know, I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you this much personally. I've, I've known uh, Metal for a while. I think I was, I was on a panel with uh, Marshall like four years ago or something like that. So, you know, uh, very familiar with, with Metal and, you know, I've been following the progress and, as you guys have kind of grown out the ecosystem. So props to you. But, you know, I think... Uh, Maybe we follow up after this and figure out how we start building out some quarterly reports for you guys. Hey, you've heard it here, folks. We also got folks like Will on the call. We also got the Metallicas as a whole. So, yeah. I love it. Here's some new beginnings on that. But so, but let me back it up to our just previous discussion because this is very interesting. Um, like you said, a lot of things are still getting worked out when it comes to um, the crypto research and um, filing through all of the data and validating it um, with the protocols and everything that it entails. But um, what do you think has to happen with crypto research information on the web to be more unbiased and objective? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a good question, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, where that starts is the data itself, you know, data it's itself really, and, you know, this is the great thing about being, uh, in this space where you have, you know, everything, uh, being built on, on blockchain networks is, you know, the data itself really can't be biased. And I think for the most part, when you look at, you know, again, Masari and some of these larger research organizations, um, there's no incentive, you know, really to have, I think, bias in the research. I think where a lot of people perceive bias is, you know, it's one of those things where um, people want their, their project covered or whatever they're interested in covered. I think that comes back to what I was saying earlier, just about resource constraints. I think as you build out, you know, a better infrastructure for research and for data, you can cover more things. Um, I think, you know, one of our, one of our core missions at Nasari is, you know, I think we're good at covering the Bitcoin and the Ethereums of the world, but we really want to onboard everybody to, you know, every asset after that, every protocol after that, right? I think there's so much out there where it doesn't get the coverage to your point that it should. Um, and I think that's going to be something where, you know, once, larger firms, you know, you get TradFi or Big Tech or whoever it is, um, they start to dip their toes into this industry. You know, there's great, great historical Bitcoin research. There's great, great historical Ethereum research. Obviously, these networks and these protocols are changing on an ongoing basis, and you'll need more of that research. But there's a big opportunity to cover everything after, you know, asset one and two uh, in market cap. And I think that's you know something we strive to do. And I, I think it's still early. Um, but I think the more you can build that out, you know, the better it is for everybody. And I think, um, you know, it really surfaces some of those interesting things out there that just might not get the attention that they deserve on a you know, regular basis. I love it. I love it. So what are the goals? Um, if you could share with us, of course, but what, what are the goals from Asari um, going into 2023? You said it was your, um, the five year anniversary of the inception of Masari. What happened yes. here? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, we've built a good start, but there's always more work to do. And for us, we, you know, really want to go back and we've never changed our mission about, 
bringing transparency and helping people make smarter decisions in this space. Uh, we want to continue to do that in as many ways as possible. So, you know, you'll see a lot of really cool tools, uh, data sources and research come out of Masari uh, kind of across the board. You know, we're going to be building out resources to help onboard that next generation of users, help them diligence protocols and networks and help them monitor them. Uh, we really want to help people build, you know, as well as invest, but, you know, we're not really uh, purely a trading focused firm. Uh, we do, you know, cater towards the builders. And on the flip side of that, you know, that gets back into how we bring more, uh, you know, more information out there about all of these really, really cool protocols and things that are being built. So uh, you'll see us, you know, double, triple and quadruple down on that protocol services team that I mentioned, spending a lot more time um, helping to, to surface these quarterly reports, you know, building out other things that are going to be useful for DAOs and um, all of these networks. So uh, we really haven't changed over the past five years in terms of what we're trying to do. I think, you know, the only difference has been the, uh, the tooling and the, the product itself uh, has become more useful. Not changing the vision sounds like great consistency to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it was a good one in the first place. You know, you, can't, you don't always get that right, but um, I think it's been, it's been working well for us so far. Yeah, yeah, I like to hear that. I love to hear that. And we would love to see how we can help um, however we can, whether it be Metallicus as a company, but also um, a lot of our folks within the community. Yeah, we'd love to see know, how we can be a part. Every, everyone has my... Uh, you know, has my Twitter up here right now. So follow me, DM me. My DM should be open. Uh, if not, you know, if you follow me, they definitely will be. But uh, I'd love to talk to anybody. And uh, yeah, no, this is this has been great so far. Yeah, I've been having a blast. I've been having a blast myself. So of course we're on the Twitter spaces, but um, this will be up live later um, on our Metallica Slide podcast, which you can find at all different platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it. Um, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at the at, uh, at Eric Turner. You can find Masari, who you really should be following. I'm not that interesting. At Masari Crypto. Uh, and I recommend you guys check out uh, Misari.io. You'll actually be able to see all of the things we just discussed, uh, including yeah. all of those free quarterly reports. So definitely check it out. Absolutely. And um, let's say if folks want to um, go on Misari for the first time, what should they look at first to yeah, like, get their feet wet? You know, if you're going on for the first time, I highly recommend you uh, at least sign up. That way you unlock some of the free features and jump in right away to the research tab. You're gonna get uh, a lot of our research that we offer for free. You're gonna see all of those quarterly reports. And uh, you know, once, once you kind of get an understanding there, uh, the data tab's right next to that, and you can start tracking some of the things you just learned about. Exciting, that's so exciting. I hope everybody gets to check that out, Masari.io, is that correct? That's correct. Beautiful, so Eric, I got to ask you, in your thoughts, we talked about Masari for 2013 and, of course, beyond, but what do you predict uh, within the crypto industry for 2023? Yeah, great question. Um, and if I had 100% accuracy, I'd be a trader and I'd be retired right now. But I think uh, you know, just from, <laughs> from where we sit and the people we talk to, you know, I think this is uh, – it's going to be a really uh, – 
good year for building. They say bear markets are for, for building. That's a cliche. I don't even necessarily know, you know, if we're in the depths of a bear market right now, we're kind of bouncing sideways, but we're going to see a lot of, you know, really interesting things be built. I think there are a lot of big upgrades coming on protocols. I think, um, you know, when I think about what the trend for this year is going to be, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, um, bridging kind of the crypto and the traditional world, you know, crossing the chasm, uh, so to speak. So I think if you look at, you know, DeFi, like DeFi being linked more with real world assets and, you know, better fiat on and off ramps and really things where um, a lot of this infrastructure that we've built and, you know, a lot of these primitives across protocols are going to become usable. I think we're kind of in year one of that. I think, you know, you always think about what is actually usable in crypto, but, you know, real world assets and DeFi, decentralized physical infrastructure, um, things that are, again, you know, tying the, the real world to the crypto world. You know, these aren't just magic internet money tokens. Uh, they actually have a use. These networks have a use. And uh, I think this is going to be kind of that, that next catalyst for us over the next two years. I love it. I love it. Now, before we head out for the day, do you have any final thoughts or parting words that you would like to share with the Metal Pay, Proton, Metal Blockchain, Metallicus communities? I think the one thing that uh, I'm going to share with everybody, my parting words uh, are something that I mentioned earlier in this call, but we are all in this together uh, as an industry. So you know, make sure that you are always the best proponent of crypto that you can be. Uh, I think that there is a lot of opportunity for us to shape the narrative um, over the coming years, you know, be it with uh, regulators and policymakers or just, you know, really anyone that is curious about the industry. Um, so I think, we have to keep pushing forward uh, as a community, as an ecosystem, uh, keep that level of professionalism, and uh, it's going to be a, a good couple of years for us. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out, shout it out from the top of the mountain. That's all the time we had today. And ladies and gentlemen, this was Eric Turner, VP of Strategy at Masari. Been there for five years strong and is going to keep it going. Thank you so much, Eric, man. This has been awesome. Thank you, everyone. It's been great. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody else for listening in on this Twitter spaces. It's always a pleasure to have you guys on here, and we hope to see you at the next one. For those that are listening in on our podcast, Metallica's Live, which you can find on every platform possible when it comes to podcasting, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you name it. I'm going to keep plugging that. You guys just got to listen to it. I'm sorry. But um, if you want to listen to it live, you can follow us on Twitter at WeAreMetallicus, and then stay tuned for the next Twitter Spaces. And for those listening to the Spaces, go to those podcasting platforms, as I've just mentioned. Download the episode. Share it with your friends. Listen to it in the business meetings. But feel free. My, my, my name has been Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure. You guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you.